the blessed opportunity it is for us to study the word of God one more time. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing with you all as far as our time of uh, study is concerned. And it is my hope and prayer that uh, you will be blessed by today's uh, lesson. Before we get started, let me, if I could, uh, ask that we will bow ahead for a word of prayer as we sense and seek God's movement and um, uh, what it is that the Lord would desire for us to know as far as our time of study is concerned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you right now and we want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study your word, to learn, to grow, uh, to become better as far as being disciples for you. We pray right now, God, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the master rabbi, that you would teach us your precepts and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Show yourself mighty and strong, O God, and we will bless your name for that. And now, God, give us ears to hear. Give us the heart to appreciate and give us the hands to work what we glean as far as this lesson is concerned. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, as we continue our study um, on the letter that Peter wrote to the church, um, I call your attention today to First Peter chapter uh, three, and we want to look at verses eight through verse 17, verses eight through 17. We want to focus on uh, those uh, verses as far as our time is concerned. And this particular uh, lesson is really going to deal with suffering. It's going to deal with suffering. Uh, how do we, as the people of God, handle those suffering moments that will eventually come our way. I, I would dare say that none of us will go through this life unscathed. Um, none of us uh, will go through this life unscathed. And what I mean by that is that all of us sooner or later will have to go through um, moments of suffering. We don't like it. But unfortunately, it is part of the sinful reality that we find ourselves contending. So how do we handle suffering? Um, and how do we handle people who mistreat us? So we want to unpack this in a very meaningful way that hopefully and prayerfully will be a blessing as far as your life and your discipleship are concerned. So. Let's do our, uh, what I like to call, let's mark up the text and um, let's begin to hopefully and prayerfully do some good work. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and it reads, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to those open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Behold, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. And when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So let's mark up this text. Let's mark up this reading. Um, finally, I want you to circle the word finally. There's a reason that Paul is putting that particular word in here because he is transitioning <clears throat> us from talking about submission to talking about suffering. So circle the word final. Final, all of you be of one mind. I want you to highlight that phrase, all of you be of one mind. I want you to highlight the phrase, having compassion for one another. I want you to highlight the phrase, love as brothers. I want you to highlight the phrase, be courteous. And I want you to highlight the phrase, be tenderhearted rather. And then I want you to highlight the phrase, be courteous. Okay. All right. This is just verse eight. And I'm going to unpack this in a very wonderful way in just a moment. Verse nine, if you would um, highlight that whole verse, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. <clears throat> okay. As we move forward to verse 10, we see for he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you would just highlight that whole passage. This is this is a quotation of Psalm 34. You know, that famous Psalm that says, oh, taste and see that the uh, Lord is good. This is that Psalm. Okay. And, and, and Peter is quoting this particular Psalm. You know, where it talks about, oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Yeah, that, that psalm, that's the psalm that he is quoting. He is quoting verses uh, uh, 12 through 16. So I want you to highlight that. Let's look at verse 13. And who is it who will be harmed for you who have become followers of what is good? Verse 14, if you would highlight verse 14. <clears throat> And 
And look at verse 15, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and be ready to give good defense. Circle the word sanctify. Circle the word a defense. All right. Verse 16, having a good conscience, underline the word good conscience. And then highlight the phrase, they defame you as evildoers. And then if you were to highlight verse 17. All right. Now, hopefully and prayerfully, you all have uh, got your uh, biblical text marked up. Uh, this is so that you, whenever you want to, you can go back, review, and it's certain words, certain phrases stick out to you uh, as far as, as that is concerned. All right. So remember, I said in verse eight, uh, Peter uses this word finally. Now, um, the word finally is not that Peter is ending this letter, but he is transitioning. He is sending uh, a signal that he is transitioning. And what Peter is transitioning from is having talked about submission. Um, slaves, be obedient to your masters. Husbands, wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, things of that sort where he was talking about submission. He is now transitioning to talking about another S. And that's suffering, suffering. And what we want to do is uh, we want you to understand that in this text, Peter is giving some practical principles for living peacefully with one another, as well as within a hostile pagan environment. You got to understand that the movement of the following of Jesus Christ is relatively new. It is weird to a lot of people. Uh, the culture in which Peter was dealing with, uh, they had a multiplicity of gods, particularly the Romans had their gods. And of course, the Greek had their gods and, and they interchanged the name between the two gods. They kind of had similar gods that did similar things. They were just named differently, but they had a multiplicity of gods. They had the god of war, uh, the god of agriculture, uh, the god of the sun, the god of the moon, uh, the, the god of fertility. They uh, had gods and goddesses, rather. So here is Peter following a monotheistic understanding of who God is, that is one God, but now he's lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And so as Peter is lifting up the name of Jesus Christ, uh, there is major hostility against Christians. First of all, from the Jews, okay, from those who practice Judaism. And remember, Paul used to be a persecutor of the church. He is now a planter of the church. So you still got these major divisions as far as Judaism is concerned when it comes to Christianity. And what is happening is, is that Paul is trying to give those who follow Jesus insight into how they ought to conduct themselves with each other 
as well as with the pagan culture. All right. Y'all with me so far? OK, good. So let's look at, at, at what he talk, what he talks about as far as the pagan culture. So in verse eight, he says, be of one mind. Number one, have compassion for one another. Number two, love as brothers. Number three, be tenderhearted. Number four, be courteous. Number five, those are five things that Peter is telling those who follow Jesus, how we ought to conduct ourselves. Now, let's let's talk about this for a moment. So all of you be a one mind. Really what, what Peter is saying here is you, you got to have unity. There has to be unity. There has to be harmony. All right. This, 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 all of you be a one mind, uh, in a sense, really refers to being together as we do the common work of spreading the gospel, of having uh, similar attitudes and ideas. Okay. Now, let's 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 not get this twisted. Unity does not mean uniformity. Because there were many different types of Christian from many different types of backgrounds in Peter's audience. Peter knew that the harmony would be possible if they understood, quote, the sheet music they were playing. So the sheet music that they were playing at that particular time really focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ goes back to the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And it is the death, burial, and resurrection of the person of Jesus that brings all of us together. And so as we operate from appreciating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, we move in harmony. Now, let me, if I could, just really talk about what harmony looks like. Harmony looks like this, that in music, when you are harmonious, each person or each section has his or her part, different notes from the chords that make different harmonies, different music. Our harmonies basically are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit allow for us to play different notes as far as the orchestra of the music of the church is concerned, as far as the work of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned. So when we operate in our gifts in the way that the Spirit intends, we move in what? Harmony. Okay. Which means that when you do what you're supposed to do, I do what I'm supposed to do. We understand our lanes. Then we move in harmony and we live in harmony. This is how we're able to do what God will have for us to do. So. So, first of all, being of one mind. The next one is having compassion. Basically, that means being sympathetic. That, that means you're sharing in the need and the concerns of others. You, you have a sensitivity and a compassion toward others that you appreciate each other. Why? Because of our same relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. So we're called to be sympathetic. We're called to be responsive to people's feelings. And so you can't go around as a Christian talking about, I don't care how so-and-so, so-and-so feel. It's kind of hard. 
if you're gonna be an, an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Now you you can't, of course, allow for those feelings to uh dictate how you move as far as the gospel is concerned, but you gotta you gotta have some sense of uh, a sympathy as far as that's concerned. All right. The other one is love as brothers. Now, I want you to understand that the word love here is filio, filio. That is where we get the word Philadelphia. This is a friendship love, not an agape love. All right. This is friendship love. All right. All right. I I want you all to to, to hear me. This Philadelphia. This is friendship love. All right. Love as brothers, love as friends. All right. This is not relative love. He is talking about love as friends. All right. This is not agape love. This is philia or philadelphia. This is where we get the word for the city of Philadelphia. All right. The city of brotherly love. This is us being called to what? Love as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the special love that ought to draw all of us together as Christians. All right. For those of us who are Christians, we're called to love not only agape, but also friendship. Okay. All right. The next one, be tenderhearted. And basically being tenderhearted basically means that we are conscious of other need and we want to do all that we can to uh, help people that are in need. That we as believers ought to be deeply touched and moved by the hurts, the pains, the needs, and the joy of fellow believers and act to help them. All right. And then the last one is be courteous, be courteous. And and this idea of being courteous really is a sense of humility. It means you got to be honest about who you are before the Lord. Um, Be courteous, not a doormat. uh, But know who you are before the Lord. You don't negate your own worth or abilities, but you don't inflate them either, all right? Instead, when you operate from a position of humility, you can honestly view your characteristics and your abilities with thankfulness before God. In other words, you know you're not as bad as you think you are or as persons will make you think you are, but you're not as superior as your ego may tell you you are, okay? Humility allows for us to be able to encourage one another and rejoice with each other when it comes to success. When you are humble, you're not jealous of somebody. When you're humble, you can celebrate the advancements and the achievements of others uh, without being jealous. 
Okay, it's not that that false humility. Now, humility, another word for humility can be meekness. But again, meekness does not mean weakness. All right. Let's look at verse nine as we move forward as far as this concern. When we look at verse nine, we see that in verse nine, um, Peter is telling us, don't do evil for evil. Don't do get back for get back. Don't do payback for payback. All right. Um, don't send insult for insult. Now, what I want you to understand is this is how Peter is telling the followers of Jesus Christ how they're to behave in the pagan culture. How to behave in a hostile culture. How to behave in a non-affirming culture. Saying, listen, don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay get back for get back. Don't repay insult for insult. All right. In other words, um, uh, if somebody cusses you out, don't cuss them back. Now, I know for some of us, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost, feel fire, baptized, got Jesus on our mind. Followers of Jesus Christ, the Lord is still working with us in some of those areas. Can I get some amens in the chat box? <laughs> because even with your saved, sanctified self, depending on the day that somebody come at you, you know, they might hear you speak in tongues. And I'm not talking about the heavenly language either. <laughs> All right. So notice what Peter said. Peter said, instead of giving insult for insult, evil for evil, bless them. How are we to bless our enemies? With words of kindness. And um, let me let y'all in on a secret. That's easier said than done. That's why you got to have the Holy Spirit. Because our natural inner spirit, that if someone comes at us a certain way, blessing ain't on the mind. We, we, we want some get back. Okay. Blessing ain't on the mind. But notice what he says. He says, but on the contrary, bless them knowing that you will inherit a blessing. Now, 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 really, I, I, I could deal with just verses 8 through 12 and have a full Bible study. But I'm going to get through all of this today. Check this out. When Peter writes about blessing people who do evil to you, he is basically recalling what Jesus taught him. Think about the Beatitudes. If you read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, you see the Beatitudes, the uh, and, and Jesus started off 
each beatitude with blessed be, da 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 da, blessed be, da 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 da, blessed be, da 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 da. That word blessed basically means happy is the person. Okay. Now, in this context, when we see the word blessing and inherit, Peter is saying, that when somebody comes at you sideways and you don't fire back at them sideways, but you bless them with kindness, uh, that because you are called to this, what is being what what are we called to? We're called to what? Salvation. We're called to salvation. So what is that we may inherit a blessing? What is that inheritance uh, that we're supposed to get? Well, there are a couple of different ways to look at it. And I would say that as pastor teacher in this moment, that it means both of them. So first of all, you are going to inherit in eternal life. Okay. That you're going to inherit eternal life. That's one way of, of, of looking at a blessing. <clears throat> All right. Now, but here's the thing that 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 I want you to understand that when you bless someone evil for evil or insult for insult with kindness or with a blessing, with kindness, with a blessing, with generosity, with a blessing, knowing that you are called to this salvation that you may inherit a blessing. Because you are saved, you already have eternal life. So that is, check this out, a passive understanding that will one day be actualized when you die. So you got that. Okay, put that in your sack. What I think Peter is also trying to help us understand is that when you do good for evil done towards you, God has a blessing for you in this life. That your right actions will produce blessings in this life. Okay. Now, where, 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 where is that coming from, pastor? Watch this. Look at verses 10 through 12. Look at verses 10 through 12 and notice how Peter runs down Psalm 34 verses, um, uh, um, verses 12 through 14 or 16 rather. He is saying that he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking lies. Now, what I want you to understand is that when we move in this manner, uh, understand that these blessings do not assume we will not have persecution. Believers can still be persecuted, but you can depend on God's blessing, whether it's spiritual or physical. 
All right. Let's unpack verses 10 through 12. As 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 Paul is quoting Psalm 34. And Paul, not Paul, Peter, rather, Peter wants us to understand that. If you want a good life. Watch how you use your tongue. And let's be honest, for a whole lot of us, our mouths get us in major trouble. Amen. Watch what you say. That tongue, that little rudder can put you on a dangerous course. All right. James like the James like to talk about how we put the bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And uh, the ship that's turned by that little brother, he said, the tongue is like a fire, a world of iniquity. That tongue is dangerous. So we got to be very careful about tongues. About what we say. So he said, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And that word evil could refer to any type of speech that is displeasing God. Okay, any type of speech that is displeasing God. Profanity, uh, slander, lies. And then he says deceit. That means deliberately tricking somebody or lying. So Peter was telling the early Christian, don't return insult for insult. Don't return evil for evil. And get rid of malice, deceit, and slander. All right. When we look at verse 11, he says, um, let him turn away from evil and do good. Your God honoring speech that then be accompanied by your action. So this is where your talk moves to action. All right. Let them seek peace and pursue it. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. If you're going to seek peace and pursue it, that means it is active, not a passive role. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you got to pursue peace. All right. When conflict arises, and this is what you got to understand about conflict, conflict is neither good nor bad. It's how you manage it. And a lot of folks don't know how to manage conflict. Because when conflict arises, peacemakers bring them into the open and deal with them before they become unmanageable. All right. So seek peace and pursue it. And then here is here. Here is a, a, a wonderful blessing for me. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God sees the difficulties and the persecutions of those who are righteous. There is nothing that is happening to you right now that is a surprise to God 
that sneaks up on God or that God did not see coming. Nothing. It's a surprise to us, but it's not a surprise to God. And God is big enough to sustain and to handle you and whatever comes your way. The eyes of God are on the righteous. Not only does God see you, but God hears you. God knows what you need. God hears you when you call out to God in prayer. God is keenly aware of what's going to empower you as far as your suffering moment is concerned. Okay? God's ears are open to your prayers. But here is the wonderful thing. But the face of the Lord are against those who do evil. These words right here, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, really is a signal from God that eventually imminent judgment will come. Not just God's disapproval, but God's wrath. Here's what I want you to understand. When you try to do some payback or have some get back with somebody who's doing you wrong in your life, when, when, when you try to exchange evil for evil, insult for insult, when you try to take somebody out on your own, uh, they have the capacity to maybe one day come back. But when the Lord deals with them, ain't no coming back. When the Lord subdues those who are evil, ain't no comeback. This is why you got to trust God to avenge the wrongs of those who suffer for his sake. That's why, G that's why we're told in the scriptures, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. All right. God has a way of handling your enemies that he would do one of two things that God will make either your enemy, your footstool or God would just wipe them off the face of the map so that you don't ever have to hear from them again. That's why you got to learn how to trust God to deal with folks who do you want. I, I know, I know, I know that they've been talking about you. I I I know um uh they brought they 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 tried to kill you. I'm I'm keenly aware of that. But you gotta learn how to put them in the hands of the Lord. I, I know it's easier said than done. Because I've been guilty of trying to have some get back and pay back. Keenly aware of what that looks like. I'm keenly aware of how that feels. But I'm also a living witness that when I tried to get do some get back, they came back. But when I put folks in the hand of the Lord, God fixed it real good.
let's look at verses 13 uh, and let's finish up this this section. And as we finish up uh, this section, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, it, it will bless us. Now, Peter wants us to understand, even when you want to do right, even when you live according to the word of God, even when you treat people right, persecution can still come. Suffering moments can still happen. Okay. Your right living does not mean you won't experience trouble. Do I have a witness out there? Okay. Your, your right living does not mean that every now and then you won't have to go through something. All right. So, so here is Peter explaining to those who follow Jesus that when persecution come, because, you know, these are people who are young in the faith. He, he is explaining to the believer how to live in an evil world in the face of persecution. Now, Peter says that usually it's a lot wiser for believers to do what is good and to follow the authority and laws so they won't be persecuted unnecessarily. Peter was not indicating that if the believers lived well, that they would escape persecution or ill treatment. He's already stated that you can do good and still suffer. All right. And, and, and usually if you, if you try to obey the law and you're careful um, nothing is going to happen to you, but let me drop this on you. Persecution comes for a variety of reasons. It occurs in spite of your desire to be peaceful, in spite of your desire to do good, in spite of your desire to treat people with kindness. You can treat people with kindness and still be persecuted. And I, I, I know it doesn't seem right. It ain't right. It's not the way it should be. But guess what? Suffering happens. <laughs> Persecution comes for a variety of reasons. A lot of the Christians that were persecuted, a lot of the martyrs that were persecuted were doing what God would have for them to do. They were moral. They were lawful. But they still suffered. The atmosphere at that time was so charged with suspicion and hostility toward the disciples um, that it did not matter what good they did, persecution still came. So Peter is saying, listen, even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor trouble. If you as a believer are living right and you stand be, still are being persecuted, nobody is going to be able 
to change the promises that God has for you. Look, 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 look at this. Look at this. Look at this. But even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you're blessed. You know what that word blessed means here? That word blessed means, and I know it's so unfortunate we live in such a society where certain words have now taken on a negative connotation, but I'm going to reclaim this word for the time that is ours. You are highly privileged. I'm reclaiming privilege. I'm reclaiming privilege. You are highly privileged. That word blessed, you are blessed, does not mean you're happy. What Peter is saying, you are highly privileged. That God's got something special for you. That the promises of God towards you cannot be changed because you're being persecuted. That you can't be harmed spiritually when you're being persecuted. Right? Because that word blessed means you're highly privileged. You are favored. Yeah. 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 Sometimes suffering is a form of God's favor towards you. <gasps> oh, wow. Well, you mean you mean tell me that 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 being favored means sometimes I may have to suffer. Yep. Yep. I know. The word favor has been corrupted. Let me let me one of the most favorite persons in scripture was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Remember when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. You shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be of the Holy Spirit. Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. Mary being favored highly meant that Mary had to endure scorn because she's an unwed mother. Mary was almost dropped by her fiance, Joseph, because she was blessed and highly favored. Mary had to deal with the fact that even when Jesus was growing up, that there were whispers throughout the area about she and his birth circumstances. She was blessed and highly favored. Her being blessed and highly favored meant that she was one of the most brokenhearted women in all of creation. Sometimes when you, a lot of times when you, when you suffer for the sake of righteousness, it may be a sign that you are highly favored. I know folks don't want to hear that. But when you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You are highly favored. You are highly privileged. Let me, let me, let me, let me get on. And, and and Peter says, don't be afraid of their threats. Here, here's what I want you to understand. When you are suffering for the sake of righteousness, people's threats are empty because they cannot harm 
you eternally. They cannot shake up your foundation. They cannot disturb on which you are grounded. When instead of fearing your enemies, we as Christians are to put our trust wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ, knowing that ultimately God is in control. This this is what I really want to impress upon you because Peter gives us the antidote for dealing with fear. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. He gives us the antidote for for, um, uh, dealing with fear. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's what the word sanctify means in verse 15. Set apart your, set apart. Peter saw stuff that some of the other disciples didn't see. He saw Jesus in his glory on Mount Hermon, or better known as Mount Transfiguration. He saw the resurrected Christ. He, he, he knew that Jesus Christ was the embodiment of God in the flesh. When you know and love Jesus Christ, opposition and persecution has no control over us. Okay. We must love Jesus with all our heart in order to do this. Guess what we must do? We must regard Jesus's claim to all we possess our desire. We got to place our future totally in the hands of Jesus for safekeeping. We got to regard the teachings of Jesus as superior to all earthly wisdom. We got to obey Jesus and let him control our conduct. And we got to set aside our personal agenda when we're asked to do his service. That's how you sanctify your heart. He says, sanctify your heart, be ready to give a defense. The word defense here is basically what is meant by apologetic. In in other words, when we talk about the concept of apology or defense, It basically means that you and I need to be able to tell others why we serve Jesus, why we love Jesus, why we follow Jesus without beating them over the head. That's what apologetic means. Apologetic, check this out, is not in your some of this brash in your face tactics that we see some people doing that really turns people off from the Christian faith. All right. It is you having a testimony, that's it, for the reason that you follow Jesus. It is you having a testimony for the reason that you have hope. It it, it is you having a testimony because guess what? When you as a believer are persecuted for your faith, 
because unbelievers would have no charges to bring against you except to question your faith, that they will see something different about you. And when unbelievers see something about you, even in a hostile situation, you can witness for Jesus Christ. Guess who did that quite well? Stephen, one of the first deacons, did that quite well as he was being stoned. And Paul was holding the clothes of the stoners. He knew there was something different about Stephen because Stephen opened up uh, his eyes and he saw Jesus standing up uh, at the seat of the throne. He knew there was something different about him. He saw how Stephen died. He saw how the apostles handled handle hostility that was coming their way. Now I'm getting ready to drop this on you because this is getting ready to be some good stuff. All Christians, all of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ need to be ready and able to reasonably defend why we serve God, why we love God. You need to be able to clearly explain your reason for being a Christian. Now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Your faith, even though it is a personal matter, is not a private affair. I think I just said something. Your faith is personal, but it ain't meant to be private. Your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is personal, but it's not meant to be private. We should not be boisterous. And we should not be obnoxious in sharing our faith, but we should always be ready to give an answer with a sense of gentleness and respectfully about why we follow Jesus, our Christian perspective, and our words and our manner should align with our lifestyle. How how can you and I do that or prepare ourselves for defense, prepare ourselves um, to let others know about who Jesus Christ is. First of all, you don't need to be be some deep theologian or Bible scholar. Okay. What you do need to do is, and I think I issued this challenge some, some, some weeks ago, but I, and I issue it now, take 15 minutes to, to, to do this. 15 minutes to spend time in prayer and reading your Bible every day. Review the promises of God. That'll help you explain. So pray. Make praising God a daily practice. Focus on the power, the glory, the righteousness of God that fortifies you to be courageous. Be conversational in your defense. Be you. Be you. All right. Um, find the clues about aspects of your life that help you to explain God's good news for you. For, so, for example, if you are an electrician, talk about how uh, God is like the light of the world. If you are a nurse, talk about how God has healing in his wings. All right. Respond with care. Okay. Just be nice. Just be nice. Let me say that one more time. Just be nice. 
and then listen to your audience. See where they're coming from. Listen with your head and your heart. Find out what burdens them. Okay, and then frame your words at the level that they will understand. In other words, if you are a PhD and someone ain't never been to school, don't talk to them as a PhD using a whole bunch of big words that you know they may not know. Okay. Speak plainly. Let me go ahead and wrap this up. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. All Peter is saying is let your words match your actions so that even when people try to uh, talk about you, they don't have anything to stand on. Unbelievers have consciences too. But we as believers ought to guard our morality and actions to show people that we've been transformed by God so that when they see us, they can't say, but, oh, you got so-and-so, so-and-so. We have to be very careful about that. All right. Just being Christian, they're going to find something to slander your name about. But you got to make sure that they don't have evidence to um, slander your name with as far as bad actions are concerned. I sum up verse 17. He said, for it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That's self-explanatory. That's self-explanatory. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good and not for something wrong you've done. Let's be honest. A lot of times that we suffer is not for doing right. It's for doing something we ain't having no business doing. <laughs> but then there are those of us who suffer because we try to do the right thing. We try to do the will of God and we still suffer. And, and Peter is saying, if you're going to suffer, it is best for you to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And why does he say that? Guess what? We're going to talk about that the next time we come together because Jesus suffered for doing good. And when Jesus suffered for doing good and when we suffer for doing good, then basically we, we fall in the same trail as our Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope and pray that that this lesson today has 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 been a blessing to you. Um, we will not have Bible study next week. I want to encourage you to join us Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday nights at seven o'clock for our March Gladness Revival. We have some of God's most gifted preachers that will be blessing us as far as the word of God is concerned. Um, my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Charles Goodman. Um, we also have uh, my wonderful sister, Dr. Gina Stewart, and my big brother, Dr. Maurice Watson. They will be joining us as far as revival is concerned next week at seven o'clock. So we want you to share with us, uh, share 
those services with your uh, friends and others. Invite them to come. We're going to start at seven o'clock. Guess what? You don't have to get ready to come to church. All you got to do is just log in and you're at church. We're going to be here live with singing and prayer, and they're going to be here with a word from you. So I'm looking so forward to them joining us. We got some of God's most gifted preachers that are going to bless us with March gladness. I don't know about anybody else, but I, as your pastor, I need a word from the Lord, and I want to hear them be a blessing to us. So check out March gladness next week, uh, seven o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, They're going to bless you in a tremendous way. Amen. Amen. Also, uh, as we get ready to close out in prayer, um, I I got a call on behalf of Reverend Brenda Richardson, our minister of Christian education. She had to have emergency surgery this week. And um, I I want to thank St. Paul because you all are just such a loving, compassionate, caring, gracious congregation. And I love you all. She loves you all. Uh, However, um, when worry got out about her having that surgery, she was inundated with phone calls and text messages. She needs to get her rest. She's going to be out of commission for a few weeks. She needs to get her rest. So I want to say to the St. Paul clan, to the St. Paul tribe, uh, to St. Paul family, do me a favor. uh, Pray for her. Uh, don't 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 stop praying for her, but back up on the phone calls and the text messages uh, because she wants to answer each call and and respond to each text message. But she definitely needs her rest. So give her the space to 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 do that. And uh, I know that she will greatly, greatly appreciate it. Amen. Amen. But listen, um, I can't wait to come back together and uh, talk about uh, the suffering of Jesus Christ and his righteousness in his suffering. So we're going to cover that. So I want you to read uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 18 through the end of that chapter. It's going to be very, very rich, and we'll probably roll over it into chapter 4 as well, because I think that one uh, collective unit, uh, but you can also read part of chapter 4 as well. That being said, uh, I want to close out as far as uh, a time of prayer is concerned. And um, um, and as we prepare to go, I just want to also uh, thank each and every one of you and give you the opportunity that if you have been blessed by this time of study, that you have the wonderful opportunity to give. Uh, you can give here at St. Paul uh, through three major ways. The first one is by bringing your check or cash to the church dropping it off, um, call the church to make sure someone is here uh, so that you can drop off your check, cash, or money order, or you can mail it to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205. You can also give through our website, uh, through ACS or Church Life, or you can give through the app called Givelify. And so uh, if you feel led to give, I want you to know that your giving is going to be a blessing to a whole lot of people. Uh, Last week, we fed uh, 240 families through our food pantry. And so uh, we continue to be a blessing to others. We continue to use our space for the community. And I want to thank you for that. So as we close out, as far as this time of study is concerned, 
Uh, let's go to the Lord in a closing prayer. God, we thank you that you have the capacity to vindicate us when we're done wrong for the sake of who you are. And Lord, you have the wonderful grace to forgive us when we uh, are done wrong because of the wrong we have done. And so, Lord, uh, if we want, if we're going to suffer, let us let it be for the sake of righteousness. Uh, God, as we come right now, we want to thank you uh, for each and every person that is uh, engaged with us at this moment. Bless their families. Uh, we pray, oh God, that they will get uh, a teaching that will help them become what you would desire for them to be. As we leave from this call, but never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care until we're able to come back together again. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we close out, just remember, for those of you all who had your shots, as far as the vaccine is concerned, your first shot on February the 13th, your second shot is this Saturday, March 13th, from 8 o'clock a.m. to 2.30 p.m., in the parking lot. Uh, Walk-ins will be for those who are in the neighborhood and those that are in our apartment buildings. But for everybody else, uh, you will drive through to get your shot. So I wanted to make sure I remind you of that as well. All right, listen, uh, St. Paul and family and friends, I love you all, miss you all dearly. We're one day closer to coming back in. And uh, I can't wait to one day see you all collectively uh, in worship and in study. God bless, have a smile upon you, take care.